You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advances in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. Before we dive in with my guest today, I want to take a moment and remind everyone that we'll be broadcasting the This Just In radio show again live from the HIMSS annual conference, and please stop by the show. The annual conference this year will be in Orlando, Florida, starting February 20th with 35,000 of your closest industry friends. We already have another great slate of CEO, CIO, leading care providers, industry thought leaders, and certainly policymakers joining the show. Some familiar faces, but many new as well. Much more to come from the HIMSS media team over the next uh, week or two, um, but we'll do our same two-day format and broadcast live from the HIMSS annual conference show for February 20th and 21st. We're even having a special stage built to resemble the ESPN College Game Day look and feel. So hopefully everyone is registering for HIMSS 17 in Orlando, and, we'll, and you'll stop by the stage at booth 2123. It's guaranteed to be another great, fun, informative time. For this episode, though, my 86th episode, we're going to speak to an industry colleague and veteran, Dr. Sanjay Seth from Health EC. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Justin, and glad to be on. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, we got to actually sync up uh, yesterday a little bit um, for a precursor to this show, and, and, I, and you guys just really are a pop health uh, innovator. Uh, but before we dive in too deep into what you guys are accomplishing out there in healthcare, um, tell us, uh, you're new to the show, so tell us a little bit about your background, where you're born and raised, college, all that good stuff. Uh, so I'm a pretty much a world traveler, Justin. I was born in England. Um, then uh, after my formative years, uh, studied in India. Uh, went to med school in India, came back to England, and then ended up uh, at Cornell in uh, New York uh, to do my master's in administration from uh, Cornell. And uh, I have been in the on the administrative side, you know, on and off. Uh, for a couple of years after that, and then full time. Started my career. Started my career uh, in the hospital financial turnaround world, and then moved into the physician world, uh, where I think I uh, belong. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrific. So, how did you come to helping form Healthy C? Um, so, um, Healthy C. Um, which has a long history of being a technology and service provider for the industry um, that started off as a clearinghouse. Uh, you know, it came into developing a pop health tool and um, for analytics, and then uh, we're looking to develop the clinical side of the uh, the pop health program. And that's how we got together. They assembled a team of physicians uh, and nurses to help design the clinical um, care coordination tool. 
And uh, that's how we got together uh, and said, you know, that analytics with care coordination is where we need to be. That's terrific. Yeah, actually, I think I'm going to have one of your partners on my show during him. So excited to uh, talk to Arthur as well at that point. So but where does your passion come from for Pop Health? Well, I think that um, I, you know, I have a slogan that says the best business for medicine is good medicine. Mm -hmm. And as we yeah. try to address triple aim, it sort of brought that into focus where we, if we practice good medicine, the money would take care of itself. And so the motivation comes from providing enabling tools to the physicians or the providers to help achieve that uh, because you need to work smarter, not harder these days, you know, with, mm -hmm. the, with the changing healthcare environment. So we think technology is a great enabler to, uh, uh, to facilitate that. And I think that's, Actually, where, I, that's where it comes from. No, that's terrific. I couldn't agree with you more. So I know we're going to dive into this now, but um, but at a high level, what problem is Healthy Feet solving? Um, so once we started developing the tool, we realized that without uh, data, you can't go any further. So we had to step take a step back and and solve the major issue that the healthcare industry is facing right now is bringing disparate data into one into one structured environment. Uh, you know, the meaningful use and the um, IHE and AHL 7 protocols that the industry had adopted uh, but haven't been implemented uh, uh, to its fullest extent. So we still have systems that produce uh, or contain data for for the same patient, but are unable to communicate with each other. So we actually look to solve that problem first, thus creating a true longitudinal record for the patient, and then the analytics and the care coordination can take over. So the problem that's the problem we are trying to solve uh, today is bringing all that data from multiple systems into one place. And I think we've been very successful in that. Um, we look at ourselves as being the plumbers first, and then we can take a nice shower. <laughs> that's, that's terrific. So what differentiates you? Because obviously you're in a very crowded space, and I, and I, I, I see class, and I see uh, you guys are doing well, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you onto the show. I, I love to highlight innovations. I love to highlight companies as well as executives who are making a big difference, a big impact in healthcare. So, what differentiates Health EC from your competitors? I think you're right in that it is a very crowded field, and you know, with use of creative marketing, people have been led to believe uh, some things that. Uh, that are not always true. I guess they are the alternative facts of our industry these days. But uh, I think that the differentiation is that um, we truly bring all the data into one environment. And uh, the ability to take EMR data, claims data, lab data, you know, data from the diagnostic centers, whether it's from the hospital, 
or from a local or regional HIE, bringing that into one place and doing it in a very short period of time um, is where we are, I think, differentiating ourselves from the rest of the industry. And then a lot of population health tools claimed by these by different market players uh, do analytics but cannot uh, bring in the clinical data to include that data into analytics and don't have true care coordination tools. Uh, people are very misguided and seem to confuse the issue of discharge planning or case management with care coordination. There are, there are two different uh, animals and um, but it's easy to get confused and uh, you know uh, I think uh, there are a lot of companies taking advantage of that lack of knowledge and certainly marketing helps so we I we rarely want to claim anything that we don't do uh, we only claim what we can and have done so um, a good example is we are talking to, we are actually in the process of bringing 660 uh, physicians with I think 40 some different EMRs uh, and bringing all their data into one place and we've been doing it for about three months and I think we've covered about 350 of those physicians already. Um, so uh, the uh, that's how we differentiate ourselves from the rest of our competitors. So, yeah, in one of the areas when we were speaking yesterday, and I read some, again, some great articles about what you guys are doing, but, and what I got really passionate about your business model specifically is how uh, kind of you differentiate some of your markets. You're going after the, the self-insured, those, those companies that are taking on more risk. Uh, you see that as one of your markets. You see the, um, the physician and provider, or the pay rider, as some people are calling them, as they're combining and coming together. So tell us a little bit about some of the markets that you focus on. Um, I, I just, and I, yeah. So, I love uh, you know, with the clinical background and a physician by training, a couple of us in the organization have always felt that um, uh, enabling the physicians to stay sort of independent or not dependent on a uh, hospital or another health system is really where they need to be because in this new era of triple aim uh, with a majority of the costs being focused on facilities and technology and um, you know diagnostic in, uh, information uh, that it becomes a dichotomy for the hospitals to help reduce costs while keeping beds empty. So we think that um, the physicians need to, uh, you know, come together and uh, and uh, take charge of their own lives. And that's really what, what our passion was in terms of how do we design a system that is not, that is physician friendly, that's provider oriented and patient centric rather than being driven by finance by financial incentives purely and I think that the organizations we're looking for are those uh, small mid uh, to mid-sized physician groups that uh, can coalesce together 
and come together and operate as one uh, that have spent a little bit of time developing their own uh, mission, vision, and infrastructure. That's the ideal organization for us because today you need to react to the marketplace relatively quickly. I mean, every month there's a new program coming out, a new value-based, you know, uh, scheme. And, and I think that uh, we needed to have an organization and a system that is nimble enough that can react and respond immediately rather than saying, okay, by the time we develop this program, it's going to be 2019, and by then, five new things have already come. So that is, I think, uh, where, and uh, sort of protective of our colleagues as physicians. You know, we don't want them to be a, at the short end of the stick. No, I, I agree. And so for those just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Seth from Population Health Innovator Health EC. So you mentioned uh, you know the flavor of the month regarding these programs coming out either from CMS or some of the private or the commercial payers. But what are specifically? Because this is where I got very excited, and, and my heart's been in this space for a long time, looking at all the different initiatives. Not only again what the Innovation Center is coming out um, with, but then also what uh, what is occurring in our communities from the commercial payers. So what payment and care delivery models do you guys enable today? your customers. Like a lot of hospitals that listen to my show, uh, certainly a lot of large practices and small practices, but then also a lot of uh, the influencers to those markets as well. So, and I know people are struggling with all these different models today, but what are the ones that you help AT enable today? So, um, it comes back to our design of the platform, and the design of the platform was clinically oriented. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do was, what information do I need? And to whom should I be communicating this information? And it came down to being the patient and the provider or the physician. So when we designed the system, uh, one of the things that we had put in that I want to see how we are doing as an organization by patient, by provider, by panel for the provider, as well as by diagnosis. Because maybe I'm managing the diabetes differently between two physicians. So once we did that in the design, when CMS announces or has announced a program, uh, for example, they announced in the middle of last year this oncology care model, all it, for us all it took was to say, okay, we can do this by diagnosis and limit it to looking back or looking forward to 90 days. Um, so that, in that, because of that, we um, certainly do population health. We, we accommodate the OCM. We are, we are already accommodating the joint replacement. Uh, we have episodes of care already built in. And, um, and if you take it a step further, we are in an individual's practice uh, for CPC. And what we see CPC as is a ACO of one, you know, one provider. Uh, yeah. or one practice. So the system is already ready to do all of these things. I, you know, we haven't seen anything come from CMS that we can actually sort of uh, package and promote within a couple of months. Uh, so yes, we are, we are currently, we are, we have, the system accommodates 
all the bundling programs CMS has announced, uh, both in and out patient as well as a combination, uh, including the SNF providers. So we have that ability to deliver anything, any innovation that CMS has announced. And you know, the commercial payers are just following up on, are following what CMS's lead is. So, um, and the key to all of this is the disease registries. You know, so once we map the ICD-9 and ICD-10 uh, and, you know, create that disease registry, anything is possible. Because now with modern day um, database architecture, we can go slice and dice that information uh, anyway. Um, and, you know, we were forced to do some of this because we are a PQRS and a GPRO registry too. So we had to have these capabilities down to the individual physician level with anything possible. So I think we've brought all those features, including our history as a clearinghouse, into the platform that makes it comprehensive and nimble at the same time. So I agree. So who's a typical customer for Healthy C? As I said, that we are looking for a provider organization, uh, hopefully led by physicians like they should be, um, and that has a couple of years under its belt in terms of culturally and emotionally bringing all the providers together um, with, you know, good clinical leadership and some administrative support. Uh, that we come in and solve their technology and their uh, contracting issues. That, I would say, is our ideal a client, uh, somewhere between, you know, 50 and 800 uh, physicians, uh, with or without a hospital as a partner, but led by physicians, uh, because the system makes more sense to them. So that's, I think, our, our sweet spot. Yeah, and this is, again, why I want to have you guys on the show uh, this week is we have so many strategies and just the way we think through healthcare, just where where and how we feel healthcare should be led. Um, I, yeah, again, I love what you guys are doing. So in our conversation yesterday, which really prompted, you know, today's interview, you talk a lot about um, CIN, clinically integrated networks, and um, NIPA. So why is it necessary to become a CIN when you know a lot of groups are IPAs already, what's the um, what's the important aspects there? See, the history of the IPAs is um, is that um, the IPAs formed so that they could get together and negotiate a better deal with the payers mm -hmm. or with a with an ent entity. Um, more recently, the FCC has said that. You simply can't get together to negotiate. You've got to have a more meaningful organization. And what they saw were um, that the organization had governance and it had, uh, you know, a format to engage the providers, select who they bring into the picture, uh, and then came the difficult part, sharing financial and clinical data on common patients, uh, putting in performance metrics, which is now this new MIPS and uh, quality reporting tools that, uh, or metrics that have been, you know, released by CMS, and then bringing in standards of care so that there is some consistency 
uh, amongst all the providers. So that um, that is why an IPA needs to transition itself from simply being a group that went out and negotiated, and it was called the messenger model, to being a truly integrated group of providers. And that has become the standard uh, that doesn't violate uh, what the FTC thought was mm -hmm. casual get-togethers of physicians to do collective bargaining, you know, in, in some respects. So that is why a CIN is necessary. Now, they are known by a lot of names. Uh, yeah. If you're in New York, they might call it an organized delivery system. You know, somewhere else, they might call it an IPN and, or an IDN, an integrated delivery network. Either way, they need to be more than a group of people just getting together to negotiate with the payer. And I think that's why it needs to be. Um, and the, the technology that we have sort of forces all of those um, uh, all of those elements that are required to be a CIN uh, and uh, and truly shares clinical data on common patients. I mean that is something that without having to call the consultant and say, "Can you send me the report?" You don't need to do that anymore. It's already in the system. You know. Yep. Uh, that's what I feel is. Uh, is necessary. So we've got a couple minutes left in the show, but yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, back in the 90s, we were working on um, IDNs, integrated delivery networks, and you mentioned that, and, and so I kind of understand this, but certainly for my audience, and, and maybe I'm going to ask you about the technology barriers to becoming a true CIN, because we've been working on this for 30 years, and you know, in healthcare, 40 years, you know, we're really trying to create these integrated networks. So what are the, as you see today in a landscape, and obviously you guys enable some of this, but what are the major technology barriers to becoming a true clinically integrated network, CIM? So two things. One is if you, um, if everybody was on the same uh, medical record or EMR and billing system, it would be a piece of cake. And right. the difficulty we have is that um, uh, these systems sometimes are extremely uh, exorbitantly uh, unaffordable for the individual provider which is why uh, products, you know, Practice Fusion, Cario, people like that who are offering it for free based on advertisements and other things came into being because the physicians didn't see the need to spend that much money. Um, so the difficulty we see are uh, in an organization, there is no more other need to switch everybody's EMR and that's I think the biggest barrier that most CINs that have started have undertaken is to force that. And I think we, uh, we see that as the biggest barrier to creating a large enough group of providers covering a big geographical area or a region coming together if you're going to force them uh, to change systems. So I think technology-wise, uh, that is one part. The second part is, each of these smaller EMRs, although they are all certified to do meaningful use, haven't quite implemented uh, a comprehensive uh, protocol to communicate with each other. And I think that's the other barrier that we see uh, during our implementation. Uh, 
Um, one thing is to bring all the appointment systems together. Then you're talking about bringing all the clinical records together. Then you're talking about bringing all the lab systems together because each provider may have used a different lab for the same patient. And so that information is now, um, you know, in different forms. So we see that that's the big technology barrier that we have certainly helped uh, overcome to some extent. It's not a perfect world yet because all the data is still not in structured formats, but the ability to take both structured and unstructured data, bring it into one place at least um, that it's viewable, readable, and uh, analyzable, if that's a word. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's really where we think that um, the technology uh, comes into play. But there are two other things that are very important with that. One is culturally, and two is willingness. You know, uh, there's a lot right. of politics involved. So if we can overcome some of the cultural and the politics, the technology will will move much faster, in our opinion. I agree. So we're running at the top of our uh, our time here, but a couple more questions, real quick. Will I see Healthy C um, in Orlando uh, in February? Yes. Absolutely. Um, we are in the Population Care Management Knowledge Center um, at HIMSS. At, uh, we are in booth 6179. Um, so 6179. Uh, I think it's kiosk number 12. But uh, yeah, and our CEO will be there uh, with some of our other uh, um, members. I'm unfortunately in Denver. Uh, meeting with a large group of providers on the same day. So, um, but yeah, they will be there and we'll be happy to entertain uh, questions and maybe even come and see you at your booth. So. Oh yeah, well you're going to come actually, uh, I know Dr., I mean um, Arthur, Arthur Kapoor, the C your CEO, yeah. is going to be um, on my radio yeah, show sure. yeah. on, on yeah. Tuesday. So yeah, um, that's that's fantastic. So um, in closing, I always ask this question of my guests. It's actually become one of the most um, show his own now, but what's your yeah. favorite place to get or be inspired? Um, Justin, and you've seen me, and if my picture was yeah. up there, people would understand this better. Uh, it's food. <laughs> it's food, it's the kitchen. Uh, you know, I live to eat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're cooking, you have to be super organized, and I think uh, that helps me relax and plan for the next day as well. And I think that's really my um, my passion. Well, I, um, I understand, and uh, as we discussed off air, I, uh, I have the same passion or kindred spirits in that regard. Uh, it's where I go and relax is, is my kitchen, and I, and I love to cook. Well, Dr. Seth, Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to have you as my guest today. So thank, thank you, you so much, Justin, and look forward to seeing you again. You got it, my friend. And thank you to everyone for joining the show today and listening. Uh, please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. And as always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content is always posted at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week, and we'll see you at him. Stop by the show.